This is CliffCentral.com. Jonathan and Ramon is present, and Jonathan's back from the Republic of Cape Town. Did you find your plot of land that uh, you will build your bunker in? I uh, I have uh, claimed my land, um, you, you know, because give give me the land. Hashtag from from who was it? A white family or uh, a uh, family? Uh, I believe a black guy who's building in Fresno. Um, he was building a twenty million rand house. I think his name's Cyril. I think it's um, 100 million. I, I, oh, is it? Well, it was before. Sorry, the property's worth 20 million. It's the house on top of it that's then 100 bar. Yeah, so I, uh, I have claimed um, my property there in Fresno, just overlooking the Atlantic. Beautiful, beautiful spot. Well, I'm very glad. Um, mm. And uh, I think you went in, you, well, not, not, it's not an invasion. You just knocked on the door. No it's expropriation without compensation, Ramon. We've decided we are amending the Constitution and. Seems reasonable to me. So you may as well start. Yeah. I think it would be a good idea if the president does that first before anyone else. Well, well gives up some of his land. Absolutely. Well, as one of the uh, richest landowners in the country, it only seems reasonable. I mean, I think we should start with his land and then just hit his bank account straight. Uh, that seems, seems I mean, completely that, that, fair. That, that's property too. Talking about expropriation, I see um, – who are they? Oh, yes. The EFF have to pay every forum half a million rand. Yeah, and, in, in and, then, and supposedly they're going to attach assets, or is that separate? Or no. Or when they don't pay, they'll have to, to retrieve the half a million rand. They have to attach tables and chairs and laptops. And, and brightling watches. And berets and Jaguar F-types. I think they're F-type. I don't know. What yeah, imagine, imagine you, you win this court case, and then all you get out of it is a whole bunch of boxes of red berets. I mean, that is, that is somewhat disappointing. But the moral victory is great either way. What can you do with the Red Berets? It'd be quite funny if Afri Forum were to rebrand the Red Berets. You know, just throw them in the wash a couple of times until they go like, I don't orange. know, orange. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> then they become Afri Forum Berets. I think they're uh, wonderful. Remarkable, remarkable. Um, yeah, so. Well, I mean, let's bring our guest in. We've just sure. left him hanging here. Mr. Wayne Duvenage from Outer. Welcome, sir. Nice to be with you guys. So it is Duvenage, not Duvenacher. It doesn't really there's matter. A, eh? we're, in, we're in this multicultural, multiracial. If you're an Afrikaans donor, Duvenacher. Yeah, exactly. It's Duvenage, uh, English, and Duvenage is French. French uh, yes, it is. There's, knows, there's four yeah. iterations of the name. I mean, try having the name Ramon mm-hmm. in South Africa. I get about six different interpretations. Yeah, course, I just uh, accept yeah. all of them. Exactly. It's easier. So. Organization against tax abuse. Mm. Why not theft abuse? Because I mean, taxation is theft. No, at the I end of the day, it goes into the same. Uh, yeah, but tax abuse also happens with gross maladministration, real waste, um, and so yeah, it covers a broader range. Does it though? I mean, I think personally, mm. all tax is theft, irrespective of its well. Um, Used or not? Yeah, that's a that's a discussion. It's a longer discussion for probably another time. I mean, how do you run a country without taxes? But you don't. Uh, that's the key. You don't want a country. You're dealing with an anarchist, so yeah, so yeah. he's, he's going to no, no, be. It, uh, and we've had lots of different. I tell you, we get mails daily from people who got brilliant and 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 good ideas of how to how to administer and run their nations, um, and they're all interesting. But at the moment, we have this situation. And if we can just stop the abuse, we can do so much more. How, how, how did this happen? Because essentially, as far as I understand, mm. you were CEO of a relatively large company, mm. a car hire company. And uh, then the government decided to uh, retar some roads, which mm. is kind of their job. Mm. Um, uh, well, at least it currently it is their job. And – uh, they sold it to us as uh, some sort of great uh, improvement to the roads. Mm-hmm. I used those roads before they did the improvement yeah. project. Yeah. It's bullshit. Um, on some roads, we got one extra lane. Yeah. That was that was what we got. Um, and then in, ter- in return for that, uh, we were going to pay a toll, which originally, uh, some people might forget this, was going to be for nine years. And then the toll was going to disappear. You'll notice no one talks about that anymore. Yeah. Um, and... You came out against it, I think, as a mm. private citizen, mm. uh, yeah. and art didn't exist. So, mm. how do we get you? Look, the the the, the, 
the short story is um, being the CEO of an organization that was going to be impacted massively by a tolling system, an electronic one, because you have to have interfaces with their systems. You have to be able to dispute bills when people ride on your number plates, clone number plates. You have to get your bill to the to the customer who's just flowing out, flown out after going through a gantry three minutes ago. Um, and so we were quite surprised that – that uh, we learned after the road, after the decision had been taken, the roads had been upgraded, uh, suddenly right at the end these gantries appear and, and, and Nazir Ali appears on the radio and says, no, no, we've got this lovely plan, don't worry, you don't have to stop at these boom-down gantries, just drive now and pay later. And it works like this, you, you put a tag on your car, you register with our system, and uh, you just keep money in our, in our bank account. And I thought, my goodness, how is it possible that the biggest fleet owners, because I found all the car rental guys, the, uh, the Road Freight Association, so nobody knew what was going on. So we engaged with, with, with Sandra. We sat down and said, just tell us what you're trying to do here. And the more we engaged, the more we learned about a, a system that was absolutely inefficient, costly. It was irrational. It was just unjust. And it was unjust because government has – other options and other ways of financing roads, and they are so more efficient and, and, and easy to apply. And you've got to ask yourself, why does government choose a very difficult, uh, cumbersome, expensive scheme over current options that have zero administration costs, 100% compliance, and if they had have applied them by today here, we would have sat with the, the capital paid off. So that's the, just the two things. You say if you've got two choices, why choose the difficult, costly one? And uh, when you look deeper and deeper, you can see exactly what's happening. This is money mm. that is flowing into co uh, companies offshore, flowing into suppliers to that company here in South Africa, uh, massive administration costs. Uh, it is a gross overstatement. I mean, uh, our, re our latest research shows that, that, that Sanral would have got 34% of its revenue. 34% of its revenue from 1% of its road surface. So that is abusing a very concentrated 186-kilometer road users. Mm. It's, it's, it just is absolute nonsense. And I got pissed off with this, seriously. I took it personally because it, it just – when you don't make sense, when you don't go through your processes as government by engaging properly and giving people the opportunity, as our constitution requires, to influence decisions like this, uh, to deal with uh, congestion in other ways – because this is not just about widening a freeway network by one lane. That gets congested within seven years. It's about making sure it interlinks with uh, 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 transport systems, public transport systems. That, that's how you deal with congestion. And so we could see this was going to be a mess. And it's exactly that. It has become the mess that we anticipated. All right. So, so – that's how Arta gets born. You yeah, know. well, then we formed the opposition to Urban Tolling Alliance. I headed up the Savrola, the Car Rental Association. We got together and said, guys, something's wrong. Um, are we going to challenge this or aren't we? For the first time, business stood together and said, yes, we need to change this because it was fundamentally flawed. Then we set up the challenge. We successfully interdicted the launch, uh, and then government started putting pressure on our supporters, which was business at the time. They all ran for the hills. Ata was left high and dry, millions yeah. of rands with bills, and we had to take a new tack. We had to go to the people. And, and this is actually this, you know, in hindsight, good stuff. It's about how does civil society become relevant to the real people, and it is the people. This is this is protecting the small guys. This is not protecting business at all. And uh, and and so we uh, had to reinvent ourselves. Uh, we had to turn to the public, uh, and that's when it starts to work. Is when hundreds of thousands and tens of thousands of people give you small amounts of money in, in a donation, a debit order once a month, you become able to empower this organization that empowers people. So we then went from not making lawyers rich because we employed our own legal team. We we're able to work faster. We we're able to work smarter. And uh, and researchers, investigators, uh, communication specialists, and project managers, we put that together, and then we answered the call to a lot of uh, our supporters saying, but go beyond tolls. You know, get, why are you just dealing with a toll thing? And that was a very valid question. So we did. Uh, since then, we've done uh, in, the, in 2016 when we changed the name from Opposition Urban Tolling Alliance mm. to Organization Undoing Tax Abuse, keeping that same acronym uh, and, and aptly describing what we do. Uh, we took our team from a three-man team to a 50-person team, and we've taken on another 107 projects. 
And those other 107, aside from tolling, which is one project, it's still a big focus project, those other 107 projects deal with the fight against corruption and maladministration of state funds, our funds. And we have stopped Bank of Baroda money from, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, um, the mine rehabilitation funds, uh, Gupta's one's going offshore, 1.8 billion rand. We have a case against Dudu Nieni as a delinquent director. We've stopped BNP Capital, all these boutique little finance houses mm. being enriched by SAA's boards. And uh, as I say, 108 projects, some of them quick, and 60 of those are still in progress right now. And the ones that we have uh, closed, uh, we have got a, a 78% success rate. So let's go back to... Um when when business dropped you guys mm. out uh, as an ex CEO, mm. um, what is wrong with big business in this country in terms of being absolutely cowardly when the state does anything? Yeah, they, they're the first ones to jump on board. Yeah. They're the first ones to say, "No, we will help you implement this." And, and this is more than half a century problem. Uh, it yeah. was a problem in the yeah, past pro- eight years. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's not a new problem. But what is what is up with these? And unscrupulous people that have to latch on to state power at all costs. I mean, is it just a greed thing? Is yeah. it just a fear thing? Like, as someone who was in that mm. that arena, what yeah. what do you think it is? I think um, you know, it's it's it it is it is greed, and, I, and I'll tell you why. It is the reality is that big business um, has got this. Pyramid shape where a few people at the top make massive decisions for every organization. And those few people at the top earn massive salaries and bonuses. And the more you make and your shareholders are happy, the more you pay yourself, the more you make decisions to earn a fat bonus. And so if you're okay, if your walls are high enough, if your kids are in private schools and your money goes offshore, you actually stop giving a shit about the real people, that is the people that work in your organization, the the people in society that are affected by your decisions, you become blinkered to the reality of um, of what businesses' roles should be. And it's very rare that you get businesses that go beyond the boundaries of business as usual, that go beyond and see this is my impact. Uh, this is my impact as a business leader, and this is our impact as as, as executives of this uh, organization on society. And if we take a different tack, if we spend a little bit more money in other areas, we will have a bigger impact on society. And so you see it in, in, in all areas. Just take the sustainability space. If every company spent money on being carbon neutral – in other words, reducing its emissions and, and creating new projects uh, that, were, that were going to uh, reduce the harm on the environment. But not only that, create jobs and, and, and employment for people in this country through those processes. And you can do them very cleverly. You'll reduce your profitability maybe by a million or two in a big organization. That might not be much. In others, it might be a bit more. But let's take 5% reduction in profitability. And you make massive impacts in society. What do those people do at the top? They look the other way. They they make excuses for their impact not being so bad. Um, and they will rather put that money into their own pockets. And that's the blinkered, selfish, uh, unfortunate outcome of business. And when they all start behaving like that, uh, they start to justify. And I can tell you, I, I had memos and uh, 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 mails from from heads of business backing this outer initiative because we showed them what was so fundamentally wrong with ETOS. And within two weeks, the Politburo, I call them, these are the government officials that sit <laughs> on those boards. Within two weeks, I got mails from every single car rental company, which is owned by the big players, uh, saying, I'm sorry, we have to pull out. We can't support you anymore. And I said, why? What's going on here? And quickly worked out what was going on. Saw the memos from uh, uh, Sanral to government saying, put pressure on these car rental companies and their owners, the Barlow Worlds and the uh, Imperial Groups and the Bidvests of the world and CMH. Put pressure on them to stop funding out. Otherwise, they will re- uh, lose government business. And that's exactly what happened. That is cowardly. That is sick. And uh, that's an unfortunate reality of, of business. I think this speaks to an important part of ethics. Um, and, and I, you know, I find it interesting because 
I hold an opinion that in an unethical society, in an unethical country, it is very difficult to do business, certainly at, at the top level, mm. without buying into an unethical system. So a lot of people will criticize KPMG who got mm. caught yeah. doing the Gupta's bidding. They will criticize VBS now who got caught doing the Gupta's bidding. Well, it was essentially a banking shell for the Guptas. Um, but in my opinion, if you were able to uh, start searching through the records in any other large accounting auditing firm, if you were to go into any of the other banks that hold municipal accounts, I am not convinced that you wouldn't find similar corruption. And for the very simple reason that uh, in a corrupt society where things are done based on corrupt relationships, uh, you have to make a choice. Either you're going to be ethical and you're going to earn less money hmm. and you're not going to get the contracts and the tenders and the deals exactly. and all of that, or you buy into the system. Yeah. Um, I don't know what – I've had the, the counter said to me, no, no, you can still be an ethical businessman. Hmm. Um, what's, your, what's your take? Well, you hit the nail on the head because that's what we're seeing. It's, and, 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 and it's almost a case of – these guys will sit around the table, the boardroom table. A big deal is, 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 can go down here. And they justify doing it by saying, if we don't do it, someone else is going to do it. That's, that's what happens. Mm. And, and literally they say, so, so how can we make it happen in inverted commas that it looks cool? It looks okay. Oh, we'll set up a nice empowerment organization here. And one guy. It's called shiny seat tendering. They don't get off their seats. They just sit behind a computer and they, and they become massively rich because the money just flows through one name with a hundred percent BE rating, and, uh, and 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 he gets his uh, Ferrari, as you say, and he looks good, and the and the company and the business and the and uh, the people out there suffer. It's just it's a sick actually. So. So this is how, how business justifies it. And what we do need, uh, and there are businesses out there that do it, what we do need is real strong ethical leadership that says, not on our watch. We won't do this. This is, this is the unethical route, and we're prepared to lose the business. And very few, very few can do that because they, what they're actually saying is, I'm prepared to lose my bonus. Yeah. And, 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 and that's where the greed comes in. And I'm, I'm earning enough. Do I need my bonus if we're not going to hit our targets because we didn't do this job? And that's where they look away and they find all the excuses. It's, uh, it's sad, actually. So Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about outer now. So you were forced to actually go to the public and ask for a monthly donation. Um, this has been a, become a very popular method of funding organizations. I mean, yeah. I think AfriForum started first in 2006, and they've grown massively. They've mm. got 220,000. You have a few tens of thousands. Um, Institute of Race Relations also starting. Politics Web is starting as well. So a lot of institutions are looking towards ordinary members of the public for small small donations mm. in volume over time. Yeah. And, and these have replaced enormous corporate uh, mm. sponsorship budgets and things like that. Now that... You've done both. You've been on both sides of that scale, the shareholder scale and the public scale. The, the, how difficult is it to actually keep your members not happy but to execute their mandate effectively as opposed to being a big CEO of, of a company with shareholders? What, what, what are the differences there? Um, um, it's two, two totally different uh, things. The, uh, first of all, you, you're selling – uh, you're not selling a product. You're selling hope. <clears throat> you're selling vision. You're selling uh, a, a, a connection that a person will have to a cause. And they've got to decide, is this worth funding or not? And it's very often people don't even know that you need their funding, that uh, that you don't just exist out of thin air, that you require money to pay salaries. And, and our, our problem initially was that we were allowing people to give us once-off donations, and people were saying, great, I've donated. But we couldn't we couldn't attract good people. We've, we made a fundamental decision. And I'll come back to the question. But <clears throat> for us, uh, the, the, the formula was about – You've got to find the best people. That's like any business. Uh, that is so apt in, 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 in civil activism. You've got to find the right people, and the right people are not necessarily volunteers. These are people you've got to attract out of business, uh, and they need 
market-related salaries. So we've stopped feeling guilty about the fact that we have to pay salaries to do this work. You've got to, and they have to be market-related. Secondly, the, the right people, right structures. Uh, you've got to pay rent. You've got to pay data costs. So this is monthly. So we had to then say to our supporters out there, don't give us once-off donations because you cannot run this organization on once-off payments. What we would rather, rather than give us a thousand rand every now and then or every year, give us a hundred rand a month. Because now we've got continuity, we've got equity, there's income coming in and we know <clears throat> exactly what we can do and how far we can budget and go. That was the fundamental shift. And it was almost, it's a hard decision to say to somebody who wants to give you once off. You know, you, it's almost <laughs> better to lose 20%. So two in 10 people saying, no, if you don't want to take my once off, I'm not going to give you. And, 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 and force the other eight who want to do the same thing into saying, okay, I'll agree to the, the smaller uh, monthly amount. It's not arrogance. It's just you, 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 this is a business model. That's the only way you can do it, actually. And we learned that a bit late. You know, we could have been three years ahead of where we are uh, and a long way down this road, but that's fine. That's life. And, and here we are. 2016, changed our name, changed our brand, changed our funding methodology, had tough times getting the right people into the organization, having to move out of the organization, people that were hijacking it, that were just trying to take this organization into totally different uh, areas, uh, had to dismiss directors, people like that. I mean, it's just, this is harder. I promise you it's been harder running an organization of 50 people than an organization of 2,000. Uh, also because we've had to put, you know, policy, process, structure in place and learning as you go. Uh, so it's been really, really exciting journey. So if I can compare the two, this has been tougher, but it's been far more rewarding. I mean, uh, you know, corporate life is when, if you're there and you're performing, uh, it's, you get comfortable and you get your car and you've got your fancy office and you've, uh, get your bonuses and your lacquer increases every year. Uh, this is, this is hard. You work hard for your money. You're exhausted. Uh, you, you know, when the media wants you on a Sunday in the studio, uh, and you, the media are the best form of getting civil activism's message out there, you are at their beck and call. And we have a policy. If the media phones in at midnight, you answer the call. Uh, so we, we are there. We are in the evenings and weekends, uh, up early to do these interviews so that we can, um, Share the story, the real story of, of, of what it means to, 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 to do activism and activism properly. And we haven't got it right all the time. We make the odd mistake, but I think 90% of the time, I can tell you we've got fantastic people. This is all about people, nothing else. People with a passion to do things right. Okay. So that's, it's a, it's a good, great, mm. uh, uh, it's motivating and a good stump speech. Mm. Um, you know, so so you've 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 uh, you've gone after the tolling thing. Where are we on tolling? Let's maybe well just go there quickly. Just very briefly. Five years into the scheme, uh, it peaked after six months after threatening the public with criminal records and so forth. It peaked at forty percent compliance. These schemes in our research shows around the world, eighty percent or less fails. Hmm. They fail because if you cannot enforce and, and, and chase the money on the twenty percent, the eighty percent get pissed off with the fact that twenty percent aren't paying, and that becomes uh, you know twenty one percent and twenty two percent, and government can't chase them. And so in Portugal, Texas, Manchester, Edinburgh, these schemes have failed, but they've worked well in other countries and other places. So you've got to ask yourself why? Why? Where does it work and where doesn't it work? And this one ticked all the boxes of why it wouldn't work. Didn't have the public engagement. Doesn't have the systems, the, the reliance on the e-natus, which is inefficient, postal services. So you add up, and again, as I said, you've got these two options. Why do you do this, Mr. Government? So, so um, five years on, the scheme is down to 25% compliance. And, uh, and now they're about to launch, uh, try and relaunch it again. So it's pause. It's going to reset. I might even offer an amnesty. Uh, you know, everybody will write off the debt, but please from here on, uh, come with us. And if you don't, we're going to withhold your licenses because we're now going to bring in a new Arto amendment. And, and you, I just sit here and say, is this how you want to run a country? You know, when you've got the best options, you want to beat your people. So, so it's going to fail. It's going to, it's going to maybe have another resurgence because a little while ago they offered a 60% discount. They got a 1% growth in their compliance and it's dropped <laughs> off again. So this is going to probably get people saying, gee, okay, all my debt can be written off. Uh, and I can, they can start again. 
and they might get 50% compliance, and three years down the line, we'll sit here again exactly where we are. Said so let me just get into some of the nitty-gritty there. Firstly, mm-hmm. is it true that uh, after three years, I think it is the debt prescribed? Yeah. So, um, you know, if you've got… If you haven't got the bills, and a lot of people haven't got the bills, and uh, and they haven't given you notice that they want that money, mm. it prescribes you. And that's prescribing right now every day, three yeah, years ago. Yeah, people, okay. So that's the one thing that is correct. Uh, what of something like an amendment where you can't get your driver's license? That seems like something that uh, might work. I mean… Uh, give an exa- another example that we were forced to do, uh, our car license discs. Mm. Uh, those go up every year for no reason. Mm. Uh, you walk into a room, you pay an amount of money, mm. no one checks the vehicle. The vehicle may have been roadworthy 20 years earlier. It could literally have been in three major accidents since then. It may have no headlights, but no one checks it. As long as you pay them your money, you get a mm. disc. Um, and if you don't use the disc, then your insurance company will reject your claim if you have an accident. No, so everyone, everyone, oh, exactly. Not true. No, it's not true. So, uh, yeah, let me just explain the whole vehicle license. Vehicle licensing is right. <clears throat> the way, the fact that they've pushed this envelope so far, it's, uh, and and not giving the benefits of good traffic in in cities and towns and traffic lights and uh, road quality. That's mm. that's the concern because that money should be used for that. But it's right to license your vehicle. Uh, now, vehicle licenses and vehicle revenue from vehicle licenses impacts local taxes. Let's understand this. And national tolling impacts national issues. So it's unlawful. It's like me saying, well, if you, if you don't pay a TV license, I'm going to switch off your electricity. You can't do that. Uh, and the local, the local authorities will look to the national and say, you can't do this. You're impacting on our revenue stream here. So <clears throat> that's unlawful. Just for a start. Secondly, if they want to even go down that road, uh, all they're going to do is force people to say, fine, then I won't relicense my vehicle. Now you've got another problem. And uh, and we've spoken to the insurance companies. If you don't have an insurance, a licensed disc on your vehicle, that's not a prerequisite to pay your uh, – to, to, to have your claims. For Here, and here's exactly why. If I drive with smooth tires on my car – and I am in the rain and I have an accident, my car's not road ready, the insurance company won't pay out. But if I have smooth tires in my car and somebody rear ends me, the fact that I've got smooth tires is not the consequences of that accident and they have to pay out. And this is the discussion that we've had serious discussions with insurance companies. Because, because by the way, Sandral bought this ploy right in the beginning. Well, if you don't, you're not going to get insurance. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was r- rubbish. So no, um, it's, it's just. And driver's licenses, which you alluded to? It's no, they can't because a driver's license has got nothing to do with the fact. I mean, that'll be tested in court and you would know the constitutionally you can't withhold my driver's license because I've got a valid debt that I'm disputing with Sandra because they haven't, they haven't fixed this query that I had two months ago. Why should I pay? Uh, for a service where I'm not being served properly. So that's a totally different argument. You can't now say, well, just settle it and then we'll give you your license. <laughs> so, so you will get your licenses. Your mm. car has to be licensed. Constitutionally, we will take those cases on and government must understand that if they start doing this irrational, uh, process, they just force people to stop having vehicle licenses. And the ramifications and unintended consequences of that is too big to contemplate. So don't go there, government, because if you want to, you make your problem bigger. All right. And and, and they say that we have no real consumer advice to give to our listeners, but there we go. So now you know, if you don't license your car, you'll still get uh, insurance claim paid out. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I've just, I mean, on that, that license disc thing, uh, I mean, we, it, it's a more philosophical debate, mm. but I would, I would at least be happy with it. You know, somewhere like the United States makes you take the vehicle into a testing center pretty well, yeah, much on an annual is, basis. Yeah, you know, roadworthiness is a whole, uh, n- another issue. I mean, just stop. Vehicles. If that's what I was paying for, I might go, not, not, not that I like it, but at least you've kind of, you're checking my vehicle, you're checking the other guy's vehicle. All right. I'm probably safer on the road as a result of it. Maybe I make exactly. that argument. Look, but at the moment, you know, look, who knows? look at what your licensed vehicle money goes to managing and paying towards a local municipality and a metro. Yes. That employs metro police that stop vehicles uh, that are going through red traffic lights. Yeah. That are stopping vehicles that are unroadworthy, doing the check where your indicator is not working. Please get it fixed. Now that's how it should be done. But mm. unfortunately, mm. you and I drive behind cars every day. No brake lights. 
completely unroadworthy. Why police are not doing their job? Why? Well, just get look into that. Yeah. So private testing <coughs> centers would be a much better answer for me. Well, private everything. I think even <laughs> licensing, licensing fees are theft at the end of the day. I think that's something you should fight on. <laughs> you yeah. need to become a donor, Ramon. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure he's. A, I'm sure he's an artist. You've, you've got you've got a hundred and six or seven. I, I don't know if mm. he tolls uh, is the seven hundred and seven. But what are what are some of the other ones you're working on? So, so, yeah. uh, sorry, if I may, like, yeah. what is the scope of what you're looking at? Like, what qualifies as maladministration, or what qualifies as irrational spending of tax money? Because I mean, all of it is at the end of the day, whether you spend it on the hard train, uh, legitimately, yeah. or on a candle. To me, yeah, the fact that it's spent so-called well is irrespective of the fact that they still stole it from citizens. Yeah. So what qualifies for, for well, artists' look, purposes? This, let me put it this way. There's no shortage of work for us. <laughs> so when we, when we went in 2016 down this new road, we decided – we sat down and we said, what are we going to do and how are we going to do this? And, and it was about trying to mirror – Government departments. So we opened up four portfolios, uh, or two initially. It was energy and transport. And transport because of the toll matter. And, um, <clears throat> and it's well beyond tolls. The transport we're dealing with, the R2 amendment bill. We're dealing with long distance toll concessions. I, I don't want to tell you what's going on there, but we are grossly overpaying on all these boom down toll routes. Um, and, and a number of other projects in that space. Then, then we deal with energy. I mean, just NERSA and the electricity tariff increases and how Sanra, I mean, how Eskom goes about justifying through its regulatory asset based claims. And NERSA just allowed them to get this massive 400% increase in 10 years, uh, and crippling business now as a result of this. <clears throat> and, uh, then we've opened uh, water and environment and uh, other special projects, education. Uh, we're working on a big CETA project now, the CETAs that are going uh, mad. We've got Dudumnyeni, delinquent director case, uh, quite an expensive one, to hold her to account for how she trashed SAA. Um, we've stopped boutique companies from, 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 from earning millions and gone into the whole Gupta leaks. We're one of the first recipients of that uh, disc, put it into a very, very clever uh, IT system that enabled us to strip out the PDF files within and search within uh, mails. <coughs> um, our submissions, by the way, to the Zonda Commission are the biggest um, and probably the only civil action movement that's giving the extent that we have they're relying on we were just busy finishing the transnet submission now it's massive it's a 200 pager with with another probably 700 pages of annexures um <clears throat> so our our work is around uh, looking at national government and working with uh whistleblowers whistleblowers are brilliant they've got all the information we need uh to then to then ask government and what we do is we don't go and um, <clears throat> beat the door down. We we do investigations. We've got a five-step methodology. Investigate, engage, expose, mobilize, and litigate if need be. And why litigate? And that's why we that's why we have our own legal team, an advocate, chief legal officer, and and seven lawyers. Because we learnt on the Etal matter, all we did was make external legal companies massively rich, and and we've learnt a lot about how legal firms. Yeah. Get rich through interlocutories and five court cases come out of one. But, but just coming back to, <clears throat> so we build cases very fast, affidavits. We're able to interdict quickly at low cost and, uh, and, and we get the information and, 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 and then we, and then we ask the government, we ask the Minister of Water Affairs and, uh, what is happening in your department? Tell us about these appointments. What, and then we see the behavior change. If it doesn't, we expose it and we come after them. And, and the beauty of what we do is we hold the individual. The individual to account. So if you are part of the problem, if you know of the corruption maladministration, you do nothing about it, the law's strong. You're guilty. So we go after them. We attach their houses, their cars. We make their, they feel the pain and, and the pain burns upward because we also ask their boss, what are you doing about it? And, and, and so we start to see behavior change. But look, there's so much that we, we, we just cannot get to all the stuff that's coming. Because my, my next question is going to be, Dudu Mieni, for example, she was appointed. It's a split decision by whoever appointed her. Was it Jacob Zuma who appointed her to the board? It, it, oh, was, yes. it was, yes. Right. No, it, it takes him a split second to mm. sign the paper to say you're appointed. It mm. takes someone like Alta, how long has it been? Three, yeah. four, five years? Yeah, it took a long time too. Well, she had to. But, but, she had there's to such a, the asymmetry is completely off balance here. How do we, I mean, 
there must be it's, it costs you millions of rands to undo the decision that took him a split second to make. Mm. But you can't not do it. That's the thing. Understood. <clears throat> but but why, if I may ask, wouldn't it be better to to have that decision be made um, more transparently oh, in yeah. the and, first place? Can you see what's happening now um, with the uh, uh, NPA? Head where media are now allowed to be part of and influence that decision. Uh, you can bet your bottom dollar the next public protector. The public are going to be more involved in those appointments. Uh, private member bills being put now to parliament. Um, we've put one in that, that says stop this public engagement over Christmas periods. No more public engagement going out before the 15th or the 10th of December to the 15th of Jan because people are away. They're not applying their minds. So all of this is exactly influencing what you're saying. How do we fix it up front to stop the nonsense from in the first place? Um, and that's, that's a journey in itself. I mean, I have to say just on public engagement that I think the entire public engagement process is an absolute farce on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just seen on the expropriation without compensation stuff mm-hmm. that Parliament has ignored pretty much 99% of the submissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere in the more than half a million essentially submissions, I think seven, somewhere in the region of mm-hmm. 700,000 mm-hmm. sub- written submissions to Parliament, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the the sense I get is that government knows where they want to go and then they just find uh, their sort of route yeah. there. Um, and they do sometimes what they kind of have to, inverted commas, mm-hmm. um, but they they don't really care. And, and also I, I might add that even if the public engagement on something like expropriation without compensation had been um, – uh, positive. So let's say the, the, the 700,000 submissions had all been four. Um, but they went around the country and they had these sort of town halls. We've seen how this is being manipulated. Political parties bussing people in. Mm. I looked at uh, where those various things were. They were at times of the day anyone who works a reasonable work day would not be able to attend. Um, in addition, uh, how do you justify when we have an election? Uh, we of the registered voters, only about sixty percent actually vote, uh, and that's tens of not tens of millions, but ten to fifteen million people. Um, when you have an, a public engagement process, uh, we have a few thousand people. How how is that at all representative? We know from <coughs> polling, for yeah. example, if you if you did a poll that way, the way they run mm. those public engagements, it would be methodo- methodologically, it'd be mm. completely irrelevant. Mm. The findings. Yeah. So I, I just I just think it's it's a farce. Yeah, look, the the law is clear. They've got to do meaningful public engagement, and and that you're quite right. That's where it, that's where it just falls over. I mean, the whole alt, the whole R two amendment bill, and this is where they want to try and uh, and force. Uh, other uh, issues into play around and, and e-tolling is one of them. Uh, they had public engagement sessions and we went to them. We went to as many as we could. And there were like some of the meetings, 20 people in the hall. And uh, they didn't know what, why they were there. And it was, a uh, well, this is what we're going to do. And then the questions were just so irrelevant. When we put our hands up and said, guys, can we ask some questions just empower the people? And you had to understand what's going on. No, 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 sit down. You know, uh, you, we, we've seen you before. We've heard you. No, these people haven't. And then it was a case of, right, this is what we're going to do. It's all going to be nice. Uh, but, guys, we've got to finish off because there's food over there. Anybody, uh, yes, in favor? And I've got to eat now. You know, there's free food. Let's go and eat. And, uh, and and let's not get into the meat of the discussion. That's what's happened. So, so again, another farce. That's what happened on the ETOL matter. The ETOL matter, they had one advert. Mm. I put it in six newspapers and hid them in the business section. So vague. And they got 28 responses. And there are three and a half million motorists in Gauteng. And they ticked the box of engagement, public engagement. What a farce. Mm. And then they wonder why. But why is everybody angry? Why? And what's going on here? And then they hired all their celebrities to say, I play E-tolls. Yeah. Only yeah. to find out after the fact, like two years later, yeah. Tebow Touch yeah. was one of them. He came out and said, no, nah, I never paid. <laughs> they just paid me to say <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. It was a farce, like, man. Yeah, it is the whole thing. So how is your engagement with the actual officials that you're fighting with? Or when, when you speak to someone from the state who you disagree with on a fundamental level, are these people like aware? 
that they did wrong? Is Look, there, is there, is there a, an overriding sense of megalomania throughout, or are they understanding? Initially, they, 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 uh, when this happened and it blew up in their faces and business and everybody was saying, what's going on? They, they, they got together an interministerial committee under Gilemo Mutlante, and, 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 and we got around the table. And we said, yeah, but are you listening? This is what's happening. This is why we – and they said, yeah, okay, now we've heard you, but – I don't know whether it was a case of too many of us are going to lose money because there's there's a number of companies that feed off this revenue stream from Etals. You must know that if you've got the security contract or the catering yeah. contract, I mean, there's good money here. So um, they they decided to yeah look let's let it it's going to go ahead. So we're going to let it go. Ahead. So we said fine, let's let it go ahead. And when the first person summons, we'll have to defend them and then show you in the court of law why this is unlawful. Because the administrative law is now set aside, which allowed Sanro to carry on when we first challenged it because we'd bought it too late. And 180 days had gone, roads are tarred, the money had been borrowed. So we said, fine. But what a judge has to do is now consider the legality properly if I'm going to criminalize you or, or go after you as an individual. So, so, um, when it comes to meeting, uh, the, uh, leadership, I can sit here and tell you right now, five years after failure, no minister of transport has sat with us yet and tried to understand what our issue is. Sir Ramaphosa hasn't, but he's been part of the decision. And, and if they launch a new amnesty on this, again, it's just a reset and, and, and we'll be here again in a couple of years. So, so sadly, they're not engaging. They see civil society, their critics as enemies for some reason. They don't think that, that hey, we're actually passionate about this country. We, we are so keen for government to work. That's why we fight them when they get it wrong. They just see us as, oh, but you guys are just throwing stones and poking sticks at us for no reason. Yeah, but Wayne, I mean, I mean with respect, unless, unless you understand the National Democratic Revolution, <laughs> they would see you as enemies. You, yeah. you are thwarting the revolution. You are thwarting the vanguard of the masses. Yeah. So, so I'm not uh, sure if you've ever tried to remove a pig from a full trough. It's uh, while it is feeding. It is going to be very difficult. Um, but you're talking about the, the tolling engagement. Uh, you mm. mentioned the presser, I think you. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, but are you busy with the locomotives and that oh, side yeah, of things? Yeah, that's, uh, that's so, I mean, that's, then that, that was the one where they bought locomotives that didn't fit yes. on our tracks. Yeah. What's the progress on that? Has anyone been pub punished for that? You're mentioning people <laughs> going after people, but. Um, you know, are we going to see the Durumienis, um, uh, Brian Molefis, the, the, these people, um, and there was another, with a guy that was involved with the locomotives. Lucky. Was, lucky. Lucky Montana. 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 Uh, um, Richard Seleke, uh, Dan, I mean, there's, there's, there's tons of them. The short answer to that question is if the rule of law is allowed to take its course, yes, they will all go to jail. Now, so the question is, well, why isn't the rule of law being applied? And why does it take so long? <clears throat> yes. And, and that, that, that is turning. Actually, we're quite positive. We're working behind the scenes with, 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 with a number of institutions that can make all of this happen. And there's a suddenly an appetite because the rules in and the, the, the old, all the barriers that, uh, Zuma had put in are now being dismantled. They take a while. But, um, the question that the ANC now has to answer is, well, if the rule of law runs its course, we have to look around and say 80% of us, possibly, and talking in leadership structures who have been feeding from this trough, might have to go and wear an orange overall. So what do we do? How do, how do we do this? And, and our view is that, 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 that there's possibly a need to introduce a, um, a, what we call a corruption amnesty. And, but before you even do that, put in place the corruption courts, the, the whole process of allowing information to flow, be verified, answer the question yes or no. If you were amnesty, if you bring back all the cash, you, the only thing you'll trade then is not to wear orange overalls, but live with the fact you've got no more money and try to be clean and the shame that you've been participating. That's big. It's big. We've done the truth and reconciliations before. We can do this. Uh, know that if you do it seriously, Afghanistan, Georgia, a number of countries, you got to go deep to root out corruption and, 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 and be radical about it. And that's the option that Cyril's got to consider. But he's got to get through an election first in six months' time. He's got, he's surrounded by 
really dubious characters. And I guess he's playing a game of chess with one eye closed and a bright light in the other eye and one hand tied behind his back. And if, <laughs> if you believe he's not a dubious character himself. Damn it, Jonathan. I was about to say that. Yeah. Like and, he's and, one of them. And, and, he's, he's and then you've got that uh, element. So, so where do we go? Well, we've got to also I mean, let's, let's remember that the architect of uh, the first major corrupt deal – uh, that we know of uh, in the new South Africa, which was the arms deal, mm. became the president. Mm. And all of his uh, co-conspirators mm. in that deal became ministers of cabinet, mm. um, heads of uh, SOEs. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm just probably more pessimistic. I, I'm, I'm grateful that there are mm. people like you who are chasing it regardless. Mm. Um, I'm just more well, pessimistic. We to, we, uh, it, it makes our job harder. Um, but we've got to take the opportunity. And let me put it to you this way. Uh, uh, um, Praveen Gordon was against us and in court on the ETAR matter as the Minister of Finance. Uh, very adamant that they have had to do that. That's fine. And we were arch enemies at that stage. We sat with them the first time in his office trying to find a, a solution, but we could see what was wrong. Today, uh, Praveen is a, is, is a friend of Arta, is a person who commends us in, 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 in Parliament because of the work that we've done. He's seen that we are genuine and we are sincere about the bigger picture issues. And we can disagree on one thing, but Arta's role is meaningful. And, and, and so, yeah. It's yeah good. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. <laughs> and he's a, he's a heavy set man. He's a heavy set man. When, <laughs> when, when the rest of cabinets go to Cubana to drink tequila, he's at home writing communist propaganda. Well, <laughs> often you know, called policy. I, we, we look beyond all of that. And just say who are the best people that we can work with in government to try and get something done. And he's a good guy in that sense. Uh, you know, Popo Molefe, who was at Pras, who's now Transnet, these are the guys that were removed because they were doing good work or back in. So there's a lot of good signs, and we have to work what, with the best people we can. What's your energy side of things finding in terms of ESCOM? Because we're currently being threatened by ESCOM again. I'm so tired of being threatened by the government. Um, I, 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 I wish I had the uh, the power. It's like being called racist five hundred times to, a day. To remove them, but um, I, 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 I think on many of these issues, a lot of South African citizens, regardless of how they vote, yeah. are very uh, tired of being threatened with. Yeah. Um, you know, we do everything they ask, uh, not because we want to necessarily, but because uh, under the force of of of, of a gun usually. Um, but the point is, is um, they two thousand and what eight nine uh, the the power oh. crisis happens. Um, they they have what essentially is a hundred to two hundred percent increases in electricity over the next three years. Mm-hmm. Um, they then want more and they want more and then they collapse and then they sell uh, half of uh, their capacity to the Guptas in terms of coal provision. And let's not forget, they've built two power stations that are still not online, Kusile uh, uh, and… Now four times the price w- that you could have w- got done on the… Uh, which on the which they claim we don't need, but then we now are being, as I say, threatened mm-hmm. again for the umpteenth time that we're going to run out of energy. Yeah. Um, so… I, what, any any input on the energy yeah, side? Yeah, look, and, I mean, we've got an energy division and uh, a department, and I can tell you now, the Eskom story is tragic. It is it is absolutely horrible what happened there. But 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 essentially, a very efficient uh, um, energy producer, dirty coal still in those days, tired calories, lowest cost, great energy cost, one of the lowest in the in 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 the world, very efficient. And then comes a new leadership that says, well, how do you rape the system? This is it. State-owned entities is where the big capital expenditure projects go. So, so okay, we need new power station, Madupi. Now, Madupi, a similar power station built in India at $38 billion, rand equivalent. Right, you've got a budget of $70 billion, $79 billion. Go. Oh, wait, let, can't we have two of these? Literally, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do Kasili as well. <laughs> And then let's start and never end and never end. And, 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 you know, you see Chancellor House, for instance, whoa, whoa, hold off on the boiler tender. Hold on. We just want to buy some shares quickly in Hitachi. Okay. They've got it. 
Go. Now, tend, oh, Atachi got the tender. And so it starts. And then you just see this, uh, what was supposed to be a double, doubled price, 78 a billion rand. Uh, that, that, that project, if it ends, will be a, a two to three hundred billion rand project. If it, when it gets to an end eventually, right now, it makes so, sense to just not spend another cent. So, so let's, you're saying two to three hundred. I'm going to round it up to five hundred billion because I think by the time it's done for both of them, mm. that's probably the cost you're going to be yes. looking at. Yeah, no, this would be, and, and absolutely. people were freaking out about a one trillion rand mm. nuclear, nuclear deal and nuclear is at least clean. That's actually been recently, uh, yeah, admitted by the climate scientists. would have been two. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you, but I'm just pointing out that, no, like, it's, it's, the, it's the, horrible. The, and, but even our media engagement on this has mm. been poor because. Well, a guy like Chris Yelland has been brilliant. Yes, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, Chris, Chris, Chris has, mm. has been very good on this, yeah. but I, I'm talking about mainstream media. Yeah. The people are driving in their cars every day. Mm. Whatever they're listening to, whatever yeah. they're tuning into, yeah. and there's hysteria over the nuclear deal, and I don't hear nearly as much hysteria over. Well, it's sad, and 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 so what's happened is it's failed, and they borrowed three hundred billion that they shouldn't have, and they didn't need it because, by the way, they went to the public and said, "The nurse, are we going to get these uh, these tariff hikes to pay for this stuff?" Mm. And then they also went to the and, and but this is the biggest sin in all these state-owned institutions. They went to the finance houses and said, "We need money." The finances, but you're getting the money from your tariff increases. But what the finances are, come back to the greed. The finance houses said, okay, but, but let's have a look at your balance sheets. And all these state-owned institutions, Sanrail, Eskom, Transnet, Danel, look at them. If you go back and they've, uh, we've done this work in their, in their, in their uh, balance sheets, they revalued their assets. According to international accounting standards, which you can if they are, but that's where the question is, it's dubious revaluation. Mm -hmm. Balance sheet looks good. They go to the finance houses and say, look, we'd like to borrow some money. What do you want to do? We want to build roads, power stations. Okay, your balance sheet looks exciting. Uh, and are you going to give us government guarantees on these? Yes. Shit, how much do you want? Literally, how much do you want? Yeah, now they've got this debt. A guaranteed loan against uh, the, the debts of those four state-owned institutions. Over 500 billion rand additional debt that, that they didn't need. And now they can't settle that. And Eskom is poked. It's, it's absolutely stuffed. It has got, it's, it is, it's a death spiral. They're coming now with another 15% increase request. On top of that, the clawback request, 30% increase in total, uh, probably only going to get about 25, which is still massive on top of where they are now, 400% higher than they were 10 years ago. And, and the people are saying, well, stuff you. We're going off grid. So you will never build now. No new houses and uh, towns and that can be built will be built on Eskom Energy. So it's 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 a it shot itself in the head. That's a wonderful thing, Wayne. Yeah, I, I think these things should crash and burn yeah. uh, as much as possible. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. What, what have you got to say? I wanted to ask on that point is is where Arta stands on on um, supporting moves towards. Uh, re renewable well, energy. Well, no, 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 not uh, no, not renewable. Secession. Towards no, towards. Any kind of private takeover. So, for example, on ESCOM, yeah. um, a lot of what's restricting us from having a, com a, a private companies enter the market is legislation that prevents them mm. from basically competing with ESCOM. So, well, yeah, that that's going to be challenged. But um, and, and you know what? It's uh, it's not really the case. You will not build if you build a house in the next year and you're still on the ESCOM grid. You're crazy. It's cheaper now to be off the grid with a little bit of gas and uh, and, and a battery backup through solar. Uh, you do not need Eskom. I know people who've built houses. Sure, sure. Now, so you're off the grid, and if you get your water. Uh, but 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 some people, I mean, that's at different levels, and I think that 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 some people will be able to afford that. Solar is becoming cheaper, but it's still costly relatively. Mm. Batteries are, and there's other. Uh, hidden costs in that in terms of replacement etc over time it's, it's already now it's not it's not there it's it's gone beyond that now it's it's cheaper yes it, if you built a new house it would be cheaper to to put the solar in and the batteries uh than going on than connecting to an Eskom. so we we see people now saying to Eskom, no thanks don't i don't need your connection i don't want it and that's happening sure but i, I Perhaps in ESCOM and perhaps there are solutions there to to bypass it, but I still think that in terms of um, you know 
tax abuse. Mm. Uh, one of the ways to solve tax abuse would be to have less of these institutions which are bound to end yes. up in corruption. Yes. Um, we enforcing business. it. Water is another example. Mm. We can't have water privatization in the country, really. There's, there's rules against that as well. We can we challenge those, and they are being challenged. And, and So I wouldn't worry about that because the reality is the world's just going to move that way fast. I agree with you. Business, a government should get out of the business of business. In other words, Governments cannot compete. So you get a SAA and you get other airlines. Well, SAA has failed. It'll never, never succeed in even around the world. So, so stop flying airplanes, government. You don't need a flag on the tail of an airplane to provide this service. So get out of it. Just get, but SAA is so stuffed. Nobody will buy it. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's defunct. You don't need to be in the business of providing telecoms, which is why they've done the right thing in, in, sure. in telecom. You don't need to be in the business of making it steel. That's why Escort became ArcelorMittal. Get out of it. It's not your game. Yeah. And that's happening more and more. And the beauty of where all these state and institutions are right now is government's got no choice but to sell them. Danelle, we don't need to make arms. Give that to the people that compete and do that uh, arms and ammunition. Uh, it's, it's privatize it, man. Get rid of everything and just just be a government that provides good governance structure to enable this country to become prosperous again. Maybe we can make you a libertarian. Well, I, I think we should privatize that as well, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now, just as and that's I've, happening. What privatizing the government? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'm fully. I've, I'm in favor of that. Um, in terms of, of outer, you. Um, Makozi Koza, who, who became well known for dis, what, disagreeing with Zuma after the eighth time of agreeing with him, and then she disagreed with him the one time, and she became a media darling because she's a strong, independent woman who took a stand against the worst president this country has had since '94. Um, she started her own political party. She got kicked out in that, and now she's joined Alta as an executive director. Is there not a conflict between this person who was in your opponent's corner her whole life and now joining you? No, I think if you listen to Makosi Koza's story, um, she grew up uh, uh, in, in, in the struggle. She, uh, she became one of the youngest mayors, uh, deputy mayor of Peter Maritzburg. She studied total quality management, government systems, and, and everything. And, and you're in the system, you become a member of parliament, and you start to see the frustration. And you try and change things, and you raise concerns inside, and you get told to toe the party line. And you keep raising these things internally until there comes a time when you say, well, I'm now going to break ranks with the party line, and I'm going to stand up. And, and, and tell the president to step down. I'm, I'm, I'm stuffed the party line. Now that takes, that takes massive courage. Sure, you can say, but why didn't you do that earlier? Life is, a, you know, hindsight's inexact science, but, but you think you can make the change. And then, and then you find yourself in a situation where you're threatened. Uh, you know, get out of the party. So you say, okay, what's my next option? Her next option were people help, wanting to help her fund because she has the courage, a new party. So ADEC starts to get born. Then Cyril Ramaphosa comes into power and then the funders start saying, well, are you sure about this? Why don't you go back to the party because Cyril will invite you back in, which, uh, which, which, which is what is happening. And, and there's a bigger role for you to play. And, and, and then, so, so her party starts being threatened. She says, I'm not sure that going back is the right thing. Uh, I met with her just by chance. We got chatting, uh, because at that stage with her new political party, they wanted to see if there was some alliance they could have with civil society and, and what was civil society doing differently? Should they be doing things differently? And my chat with, uh, Makosi was quite an interesting one. I said to, you know, quite frankly, Makosi, go and have a chat with, um, Mampela Rampela and find out what are you really going to do with this new party? Are you going to get two seats, three seats, four seats? Uh, and what change can you bring inside politics? Listen to how we believe you can bring change when we go into local government. And this is the same strategy at national, holding people to account for abuse and maladministration in the towns. She loved the idea. We were just about to launch our local the division, and she said, I'm in. If you, if, if, if you want me to be part of this, what is that role? We sat down and now she heads up this massive, this growing division of ours. She's, she's passionate. She's genuine. She's, um, she's studied this stuff. 
she loves it. She's in the right place. And this is, this is what happens when people can see that politics is a five-year game. Every five years you become relevant. Civil activism is every day you are relevant. Well. We call it current democracy. We fight these things every day and, and we make change happen. So uh, she's great. She's good for this brand. And she's and, a good person. Now. And I respect, I respect your very civil answer. Uh, my, my concern is any organization that is not overtly principled, will become corrupted over time. Mm. That has happened throughout. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying she's unprincipled um, on, the, on the contrary, but is it good strategy to bring in politicians to a civil society uh, scenario? Because civil, as you said, the ANC looks at civil society as the enemy of, of, of the, of the mm. revolution, of their game. And for someone who's grown up in the ANC... <coughs> That's going to take a hell of a lot of propaganda to get out of her head. I and mean, just last week, she attacked Musi for not being black enough, for example, and she apologized after the fact. But, but those are the, the elements of that African nationalism that's so prevalent in the ANC coming out of someone who's not in it anymore. No, I, I don't see it as that. I see it as um, it's about people, not about politicians. If she is genuine in her approach, which she is um, – it's, it's so it doesn't matter who and where, so long as the person is doing this for the right reasons. So uh, if we have another politician join us for the right reasons, I mean, we have Godfrey uh, uh, um, Galston who's just joined us. He was the first uh, um, uh, accounting general for South Africa. He's now uh, heading up our finance uh, um, analytics in, inside Outer, uh previously in, in government. So. Uh, but also prior to that in, in, in big business, uh, he was headhunted by, uh, Trevor Manuel at the time to go into government and now retired and, and, and contacted us and said, jeez, oh, I've got time. Can I help? When we saw each other and met, we said, can you start today? And, uh, so he's joined us recently. So no, I, I don't see a problem. And, 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 you know, McCorsey's uh, challenge on, on Moosey was one f- that came from the rights absolutely right area because um, you know this whole thing about African beer and, and Kumbuti uh, was driven through for a totally different narrative and 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 she I think what Makosi's learned is you don't get in, into complex uh, discussions like that on Twitter because you'll get eaten up and that's what happened it was good learning for her um, and she and it wasn't meant to come out the way she she did so she so so, so she apologized so now look uh, she's right for this brand. And, no, absolutely, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at all telling you what to do by any means. But I would, uh, if I had an organisation, I'd be very wary <laughs> about letting anyone. Okay, know, so in. the bigger question on top of that then is, as you grow and as more people come in, and as you've got Makosi Koza and previous Auditor Generals and who knows what, um, how do you maintain transparency mm-hmm. um, so that those people aren't uh, and not. Uh, Casting any aspersions on the people that you have, but uh, if the ANC were clever, they would uh, put a few moles in your organisation. Frankly, um, so how do you keep transparency and how do you keep the ship on the right path? Well, we've got to um, be open. We, uh, uh, we we put uh, on our on our website our annual statements, our, 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 our annual. Um, uh, report is there. We give a breakdown of our revenue, how much we earn, uh, and what is spent on salaries. And uh, I mean, we're a non-profit organisation. There's no shareholding, uh, so uh, everything goes back into the organisation. Mm. The more we earn, the more people we employ, the more work we can do. It's as, it's as simple as that. Okay. Um, we we have a litigation war chest. You have to have money in a, in a provision account so that you can. Uh, Fight fast. You can't say, okay, we're going to go and interdict something and say we're just going to go and raise a few million rand for this case and get to it two years down the line. Mm. So, so that's how, how, how we operate. Bringing people in, we scrutinize, we check, um, and we've got our uh, IT processes, uh, that make sure and, and our investigations team that make sure that we bring in the right people. But there's no doubt that, uh, potentially somebody could get in. We have had one or two situations where, where some of our stuff that we're doing, uh, went back to a 
director that we'd fired because there was some th- somebody sympathetic mm. uh, inside and this person was building a smear campaign against us. So we, you find that, you weed that out, um, and, and you don't need to spend too much time on that. We do trust our people. Our people are passionate, but, but at the end of the day, you can't fight you you can't fight this game. You can't play this game with fear, and and they can't fight the truth. So even though, even though, let's say, and we 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 said to 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 the Hawks when we heard that they were, you know, a bit, a bit worried about what information we had, said, so come and have a look at our computers. Don't have to raid us. You can come in, have a look. You can put somebody to sit next to me. I'll show you every mail we sent out. I'll show you what our strategies are, because you must know them. All we're going to do is go after people that are corrupt. And, 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 and you can't stop that. You can't fight, uh, um, you can't fight us in a, in a, in a, in a manner that uh, you're going to try and upset us because you know our game plan ahead of time. We still, our game plan's not going to stop. Cool. Ramon? Well, no, I think, I think, uh, no, I, think I, I approve deeply of organizations like Outer because you're funded by ordinary people. Hmm. And that, I think that, Brings a whole different asymmetry in it, rather than being funded by by corporates or other NGOs or the George Soros Foundation for Democracy or whatever whatever he calls it these days. Uh, the the accountability is far more yeah. acute, and you feel it far more because your members are the people within your vicinity, um, and you have to be held accountable to them. I think it's a great way to get money and do your job properly. And I wish out all the best. This has been really illuminating. Um, and we'll be more than happy to have you back in the future. And, and best of luck in Any what time, you do. Yeah. Thank you. And just know that the more we have, the more we can do. So we need more people on work because we don't have enough. I think there should be like a super NGO where all of them just get together. We've tried that. Eh? It's like herding cats. <laughs> can it happen? Everyone's got different agendas, different egos, different mandates. It's a madness. Uh, so it's, it's almost like this competitive space out there. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be the case. Oh, the competition will always arise, even yeah, if it doesn't really yeah, exist. We're chasing but, the same buck. But the more that exists, the merrier. Yeah, and, uh, and, well, good luck. I mean, as a CEO of a cushy, well, as you said, having a cushy job going to this, it's a, a kick in the face it's at the best fun. of times. It's been fun. <laughs> uh, great energy and good people. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us, and we appreciate it. You want to punt any of the sites or anything? How do we join you? Yeah, look, it takes five minutes, please. It's uh, www.outa.co.za. If people can just click join the button, uh, on the join button uh, and, and sign up a debit order, anytime you want to cancel it, you can. Any amount you want, 80 rand a month, nine, our average is 140 rand a month. Uh, please, because don't think that your 140 will make no difference. If everybody felt that way, we wouldn't be where we are. The more people we get on board, the more we can employ and the more we can do. We want to open up our health and education portfolios now. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, please, outer.co.za. Yeah, and if you need an anarchist portfolio, I'm available okay. to run it. <laughs> Lovely. Amicus. The, the outer republic of transparency okay. or something. <laughs> Come. <laughs> Yeah, all right, good. So, yeah, health uh, is uh, in uh, desperate need of uh, someone to challenge, although credit to Jack Bloom, who has done a lot of good work. And, on, and on Section that. 27, uh, um, yeah. Mark Hayward, they've been doing a great job. Some of that, but ideologically driven, which is my problem with them. But uh, <laughs> separate discussion for another time. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Wade and Duvenage. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Renegade underscore report on Facebook, both the page and the group. Uh, come join us. We have good discussions. Uh, if you enjoy the show and you're able to, uh, you can become a patron. Uh, lots of uh, rewards and uh, things coming for patrons in the future um, and currently there at the moment. Uh, we appreciate all of you who do listen to the show and donate to the show. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. This is cliffcentral.com.